Welcome back to the Live Boundless Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ride Clean, the simple and easy way of keeping your motorcycle or car clean. Simply shake, spray, and wipe, and you'll have a mirror-like finish. It's an all-in-one wash, polish, and sealer. You can use it on your leather interior. It offers protection. It's made of carnauba wax, made in the USA, bottled in the USA, shipped from the USA. Check them out at rideclean.co to get their bottles. You can use promo code RBPODCAST for 25% off, and they're doing free shipping plus getting a two-ounce bottle. That's rideclean.co. I use this stuff on everything. I use it on my glasses, my helmet, in my cars, uh, on my motorcycles. I just took a trip to Vegas, and I stopped three times. Each time, just pulled out the bottle, sprayed wherever I had bugs, Um, I got to my destination, nice and shiny, got a lot of compliments on the bike and talked about the product. So it's, it, it doesn't get easier than, than ride clean. It's just all in one wash, polish and sealer and conditioner. It also offers UV protection. So if you spray it on your seat, your seat's going to be nice and clean and shiny, but it's not going to be sticky and it prevents it from the sun getting burnt. So check them out at rideclean.co. Use promo code RBPODCAST for 25% off. My guest is a, is a very educated, smart uh, individual. He, he, he works motor clothes at Glendale Harley-Davidson. Uh, he specializes in helmets and helmet safety, as well as all the safety gear. Every time I see him, I learn something new. I end up buying something new um, because he's just so passionate and uh, good at what he does. He works at Glendale Harley, and um, I asked him to be on this episode because I wanted to talk about motorcycle safety and, and the right gear and, and suggestions and talk about the technology that's coming out, um, as well as motorcycles and, and personal hobbies. So without further ado, my guest, Tommy Torres, Motor Clothes from Glendale Harley Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for making it out here on this extremely rainy, cold winter day in California. This, this weird-ass Southern Californian day. Yeah, I, I, I thought we had our six days of winter and it was over, but I guess we're having a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so strange. Uh, it's actually kind of funny because the uh, splash guard actually started falling off my axles, uh, my front axle, when was it, probably... <laughs> When we had that huge flood where it was like raining for two, three days straight, just water just coming down. And I finally had time today to put it, to actually reapply it, put it back on and just got done right in time whenever the rain started. Yeah. yeah it, 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 are, you, are you originally from California? No, sir. I'm actually originally from Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Okay. So you get extreme weather over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people raining. panic. Here, it, it sprinkles and people panic. It's like the apocalypse is happening. Yeah. You know, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Streets are flooded. The LA River's flooded. People are driving like shit. It's the silliest thing in the whole wide world. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, you think LA drivers are bad normally? Yeah, add the rain, it's even worse. It, it's a lot worse. Where do you work at right now, and uh, what do you do? I currently work for Harley Davidson of Glendale. I am the motor clothes lead. Um, so I actually specialize in helmets and riding gear. 
Okay, and that's exactly why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Uh, every time I pass by the dealership, you're so informative. You're so <laughs> passionate. You're so uh, you, you 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 teach people. I mean, obviously, you you educate yourself, mm-hmm. and then you teach people about what you've learned, and and tell them and and create value for the products. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to get get you in the podcast and pick your brain on what are your favorite products? What are you seeing? You know that. What trends are you following that you're like, hey, this is going to be exciting. That's exciting. I know you guys started offering, uh, what is it, Klim? Climb. 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 Teaching people how to pronounce the company's names properly. <laughs> <laughs> climb. I know Climb just got in there, what, six months ago, if that? Or how long now? Yeah, about that. Six to eight months ago, they we decided to bring it in around the time whenever Harley dropped the Pan America. Yeah. So we were trying to get uh, some good adventure gear in there. Is that how it came? It came about. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because uh, our general manager is a huge fan of the brand. He loves adventure riding, uh, so he wanted to bring it in. And you know, it's been a big seller since. It's actually, it's surely became one of my favorite brands. Yeah, uh, the Pan America changed a lot. It, like, like Livewire did not have that success that that uh, Pan America's having. You know, the Pan America, it came in, they hardly definitely hit the ground running with that one. Yeah. I can't deny them that. I I remember when we got it into the dealership, I actually got to test ride it immediately. I think I was the one of the first associates there to actually test ride it. And I was blown away. It just, it it drove like I was just gliding through butter. It was smooth. Really? Have you ever been on any uh, adventure bikes or, um, you know? Uh, yeah, well, I Off-road, mean... Off-road, dirt bikes, etc. Yeah, I used to do... I used to ride dirt bikes up in Hungry Valley. I actually used to go up there on the track and ride my, my Kawasaki. Yeah. So, I, I do have uh, some off-roading in my background. I love it. I haven't done it as much recently because... Uh, what was it? Funny story. When my... When I actually just bought my first Harley out here, my Kawasaki was actually stolen and so I was like, "Well, damn it! I can't, I can't buy another dirt bike now." Yeah, yeah, you, you can't. What, what, what uh, Harley did you get? I ended up buying a Iron Eight Eighty Three when I moved out here. Nice. And th- that's what you still have? No, right now I'm actually on a Dyna Superglide. Dyna Superglide. Yeah. What was the transition? And we're gonna get back into into climb and you know the okay. the, the, the brand. But what was your transition? How long did you have the Eight Eight Three before you decided to change it? Four or five months. You know, I never even thought about it. I think I had it for about a year. Um, a year? I, yeah, it actually got totaled. Okay. So I, I went down, and that's actually part of what sparked me to become so passionate about the, the safety year. You're right. Is after experiencing that, it's like, you know, I don't want other people to go through that. And What, what happened in your accident? I was actually going south in North Hollywood, and a gentleman had turned his... Left blinker on, I, so I said, you know, it's safe. I'm going to keep going, and he ended up turning right into me. Mm. That's fucking terrible. Yeah, it was honestly, it's it's not what, anything I would want anyone anybody to experience. What was your gear like at that time? You know, I was the dumbass who was like, you know what, I'm just going like down the street. I'm just going to wear my helmet, my leather vest, boots. I'm good. Yeah. And I mean, at least I had a good helmet on. I'll say that much. Yeah. Did you get pretty fucked up or? Uh, you know, I was 
From what I was told, I was actually... You blacked out? I was unconscious for unconscious? about five minutes from what I was told. Wow. Remember waking up and uh, the cops were telling me, you know, just stay put, don't move, stay still. And, you know, they eventually got to the point where they were helping me get out of the street. They pulled me onto the sidewalk. Wow. Did the guy stop? No, he didn't. And you had no information on that? Uh, no, no. Uh, I mean, the... Actually, I don't even know if I should be talking about this just because yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the case is still open. Yeah. Um, what accident? What are you talking yeah, about? That's what? a joke. Aha, we about. got you fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and that just hit me. I was like, wait, wait the case minute. hasn't even closed yet. Yeah. Um, but, you, but you know, I, I don't know how accurate this is, but I think mm -hmm. it's I think it's good enough to know. But they say they say if you can remember a car model. And the mm -hmm. last three numbers of the license plate, they can usually track it down. You know, I, funny enough, I actually had a GoPro on my helmet. So they oh, were actually perfect. able to go back and view all the footage. Luckily, there was actually a police car right behind me. Wow. Yeah, I I, cat, I got the jackpot. Um, yeah, the cops were right behind me and they were able to actually, they, they chased him down. Excellent. So they did stop him. Yes. Oh, good. They, they, they good, good, good. Oh, he didn't stop. They yeah, caught no, him. He yeah, didn't yeah. stop. It was uh, a. Oh, what a piece run. of shit! What a piece of shit! You know, at when I was I was at Van Nuys Harley, and I was the finance manager over there, and uh, one of our mechanics was going for a test ride, and when he went for the test ride on the corner of Van Nuys Harley, Van Nuys Harley doesn't exist there anymore, but on the corner was a Home Depot, and there was a lot of the Mexican workers. You know, the Mexicans like, hey, amigo, trabajo, whatever. So. My mechanic was taking a bike that he just finished repairing out, and when he gets onto Van Nuys, somebody hits him. God damn. They just turn into him. He was an older gentleman, and he was on blood thinner, so he was bleeding insanely oh. amounts of blood. The car took off. The Mexican guys from the Home Depot, or Salvadorians, or whoever, I'm not, you know, the Hispanics, they ran into the Harley shop, and they're like, Roberto, come on, like, you know, you're your mechanic. Anyways, I go out there, and I, and I see my, my mechanic on the floor bleeding out. I'm like, fuck, man, ambulance. I can hear the ambulance is coming. And this guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, hey. I go, bro, back the fuck away from me and my mechanic. Like, get the fuck away. And he's like, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. I go, bro, leave me the fuck alone. He goes, sir, I hit him. And I'm like, what? And everybody had told me that the driver took off. I go, you, you took off. He goes, I didn't, but I came back around. Like, I, I knew that was the, the right you know, and I, I've heard about that. Like, that's not uncommon. That's actually a thing where people just instinct. It's like, oh, shit, I got to go. But then, you know, 30 seconds later, they're like, fuck, no. Yeah, and they, they actually turn around. They're fucking that, that's conscious not uncommon. And stuff. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that was honorable and pretty cool. And the cops were like, okay, let's you fucked up. Basically, his uh, GPS was telling him to make a left onto the end of the block to then make another left to the end of the block because he missed the mm -hmm. business he was going and he was like fuck it i could just make a u-turn so as the bike came out he just fucking made an illegal you know u-turn god damn the mechanic he was fine uh he lost a lot of blood but um he came he came back months later okay good for him yeah, yeah so, no, so you have an open case yeah, that, that always yeah that always gets me now hearing people's stories uh at the shop about them going down yeah it it always touches me personally because of that yeah yeah, I, I have tons of stories. When, you know, when you work at a shop, that's what happens. You yeah. see people walking in wheel, you know, on, on wheelchairs, crutches. This is why I, 
anytime somebody gets on the podcast, or I'm sorry, anytime anybody talks to, about, talks to me about getting on bikes, um, I tell them, look, whatever you do, you want to get a bike? Cool. Enjoy it. But have have ready three to four thousand dollars worth of worth of money to buy gear mm-hmm. you, you have to what what is your favorite gear your favorite features and and this new technology that's coming out i was gonna say uh there's a lot of technology you no know, i actually completely agree with you like i always tell people like new riders i was like you know minimum put about you know 1500 aside get minimum. yourself some good gear um because you can you can break an arm you can break a leg but if you break your head I mean, that's game over. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of... Well, not only to that, but mm-hmm. the one more thing I want to make, I, I make very clear to everybody is motorcycles are fun. I ride a lot. But a motorcycle, if, if you crash at two miles an hour, <laughs> yeah. you're going to hurt your fucking ankle if you don't have the right shoes, right yeah. boots. You're going to hurt your wrist. You're going to be like, you, you could mess up a lot at two miles an hour. No, but yeah, you yeah, can. But, yeah but, I mean, especially, you know, the heavier bikes, the big Harleys. Yeah, you get hit wrong, you, you, you fall off. Yeah, you can definitely break an ankle. Yeah, easy. Um, I was going to say, yeah, no, there's one thing that I'm super passionate about is actually going to be, you know, helmets. And that's because my experience. And, you know, there's a lot of questions. And one of the big ones is, is the, the safety ratings of them. The primary ones that we do go by here in America are DOT, ECE, and Snell. And now, what are the difference? I mean, DOT, all Americans know Department of Transportation. Yes. But what are the other what are the other abbreviations for stand for? Um, ECE, I actually I feel stupid. I forgot, but no. uh, Snell. That's the European yeah. Department of uh, Transportation, right? ECE, yes, that is the European one, and it actually I was going to say. It's one of the more uh, bigger ones that people are looking at now instead of Snell, surprisingly. Because uh, the thing is with Snell, Snell has always been looked at for your higher-end helmets. It's always been said that that's the best one because that's the one that they use on the racetracks. Yeah, because they have they have a separate rating mm-hmm. uh, for high performance. But I believe those ratings are based on high-performance uh, racetrack it's not is it's not this like there's department of transportation focuses on daily commutes and mm-hmm. rides and i believe snail is just race performance i believe so yeah yeah no i'm mean, i could be totally wrong snail goes back to i believe it was 1957 where they were originally started being made for race cars yeah um but the problem with snell is now they actually haven't updated their their safety rating since the 70s Oh, that's not good. And yeah, they that's the problem with that is that they, you know, their materials out now like carbon fiber helmets. Those are huge now. Everybody wants them because they're lightweight. Super lightweight. But back in the 70s they didn't have carbon fiber. So their Snell actually has and it's a huge problem that you can't have a helmet I believe below 3.5 pounds. You can't have a helmet less than 3.5 pounds. Yes, to get a Snell approval. So got it. a lot of your your bigger helmet makers because like, one of their qualifications is it ha- okay. Got it. Got yeah, it. yeah. Um, like Ryan Showy, they've actually been building these helmets based around the Snell approval system. Right. Um, but I was going to say ECE. I actually put a little bit more trust in than Snell because ECE they have updated. They do have a six dimensional impact 
that they right. that they test. Um, and they do allow helmets that are going to be below that 3.5 pound limit. Um, so there are a lot of a lot of brands like Climb, for instance. They they have this one helmet, the Climb Cryos Pro, that I absolutely love. It's extreme. is that the adventure looking one with yes, the visor, the visor, the transitional shield. I got to get that. Great As helmet. you could see, I don't need helmets. And this is why it's so hard. Oh, but you, I, got, I, you got so many. <laughs> I, I, I know how cool that that helmet is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great helmet. It, it's extremely lightweight, but what's the what's the weight on that one? Because it's a full adventure visor. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you take it off and put the goggles? No, that one. Yes, you actually can. And, um, and it has the transitioning lens, right? Yeah the the shield that that comes with it the Climb Cryos Pro does naturally transition. It's just beautiful. You can take them off and you know put the goggles on if you're riding in a place that's going to be warmer. You're going to be sweating more, allow more air to come through the helmet. Yeah. It's got good, great, great ventilation. Mm-hmm. Great that one's ventilation. like what seven forty nine. What was the price on that one? It's seven hundred. Seven. Um, that's such a good price. Plus tax, too. and it's one of those things that I mean. I always tell people, don't skimp on your lid. Not at all. No, no, don't ever. Because I mean, yeah, like I said, you don't. That's probably the most valuable thing on you. Yeah. As cheesy as that sounds, it's like obviously, yeah, the audience would understand that hopefully but there are surprisingly you know a lot of of stupid people that just they don't think about they they put the little not even dot approved fucking helmets they put straight out plastics there's a lot of states i think florida if you have insurance you don't need to wear a helmet if you don't have insurance you have to wear a helmet really (laughs) yeah that's crazy i didn't know that oh yeah it's fucking insane And, and part of that is because of the humidity it's just when, when it gets hot and the humidity gets so crazy, it's almost it's impossible you to wear a sticky. helmet. Well, forget the yeah. sticky. <laughs> you, you, you feel you feel like you can't breathe. You feel like you're drowning. Yeah, I've gone to Miami. I remember one time when when you know I don't know ten years ago, I went to Miami in the hottest months where it was very humid, and I'm talking about and this happened to me in Dubai too, or not Dubai, uh, Mumbai. Uh, it happened the same thing. The airport, you know, once you get off the plane, there's AC. The airport AC, the door open and the humidity was so thick that it, I I choked. I was like, <gasps> I was like, I felt like I was drowning for ten seconds. I'm like, what? And then you cough and your glasses get all foggy and and then you're back to normal. You get used to it. No, growing but, up in Houston, Texas, I totally feel that. Yeah. So riding a helmet, I I, I get it, but I, I don't know. I, I I always even when I go to states that you don't have to wear a helmet, I, I wear a helmet. That's exactly how I am. It's oh. I won't get on a bike unless I have a helmet. Uh, because, yeah, they... And what's funny is people be like, you fucking pussy. What a fucking <laughs> pussy. What are you? <laughs> like, what are you? Bro, when I go to Mexico, when I drive to Mexico, as soon as we cross the border, all my friends take off their seatbelt. I can't take off my seatbelt, man. I'm so uh, spoiled with that. No, I was... Uh, yeah, no, the... Uh, it's funny because I actually, when I'm getting people fitted in their gear... That's actually one of the things I always say to people is like, you know, whenever you have the jacket on with the armor and everything on it, you feel like you're wearing a seatbelt on yeah. the bike alone. And yeah, I I agree with that 120%. I I just feel better with the seatbelt on. And I always wear my helmet. No, just no matter what default, I, I don't feel comfortable, even if it's just around the neighborhood. Do you guys... I, I just thought about this. Maybe you guys do this, but do you guys do like a... An orientation, like once a month, to all the new riders that buy bikes about safety gear. 
I was gonna say that's actually I mean that's just my default job is uh, you know just like do you get to talk to everybody that buys a bike does does a salesperson say hey this is Frank he just bought a 2020 street glide it's a second or third bike you know he might need some things or he might not mm-hmm. can you give him a breakdown of what's happening and, and give them that breakdown. Yeah, that's definitely something we, like I was saying, we always do. Um, we awesome. always, whenever riders come through, we give them a tour of the store. No, no matter if they have bought three bikes there or this is their first bike, you know, every customer is treated exactly the same where we're holding everybody to the same standard and showing them that we care about them. We want them to come in, be part of our family there. And we, we show them all the new gear. Like you were saying, you always come in. I'm always showing you something new, like the, like the airbag vest, the Climb AI in a motion airbag vest. AI Climb vest. Yes. AI, guys. Artificial intelligence. Yes. Yeah, so and it's got a subscription plan, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's hooked up online. And Yeah, so this, uh, this vest, it actually has a little computer system that you put in, that you attach to it. You actually connect your phone to it. And your phone is constantly growing and learning, so it knows the difference between a uh, a pothole and actually taking impact. And what the cool thing about it is that when you do take impact, God forbid that happens to anyone, uh, it actually uploads the algorithm directly to the cloud and actually shares it with all the the other app users, so that actually their vests are learning from your impact as well. You, you know, I, I don't want. I don't want to sound like the tacky guy that says this kind of shit, but I, I started building an app that was doing something very similar. And once you go down, it notifies uh, your top people on your text messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sends a notification. I, I possibly was in an accident and it shows a GPS. That's uh, brilliant. You know, direction. And then the guys that I was working with, they kind of just went to shit. And this was like six years ago. This was six years ago. And the reason I thought about this is because I was driving from San, from San Francisco uh, and I was close. I was getting to. Sa- I was going to Santa Cruz, and this fucking Nissan just passed me up at a billion miles an hour. Anyways, uh, they passed me up. I don't see anything. I start driving. I start driving, and as I'm driving, I see because the one, the PCH, it's just the fucking one. I saw red lights over the fucking hill. Like I'm driving by, and I just saw red lights, and I was like, "This looks wrong." I stopped. I looked over. That fucking Nissan crashed. These dudes were wasted. Their whole car smelled like alcohol. And I found them. And I was like, man, if this was like on a motorcycle or something like that, nobody would find them. So that that's cool that they came up with that system. Yeah, no, it's definitely handy. And I mean, like we were saying, Climb, they're putting out some of the highest quality materials, some of the best safety gear. They they include D3O armor with their all their riding jackets, which I love. D3- and their jackets are light, too, oh, compared to the so other adventure bikes. They're so Are the other adventure jackets, yeah, yeah, and I mean they're they're mainly doing stuff uh, for cruisers and adventure, but I love that they they actually put D three O armor in there. Yeah, and what, what what's that rating? What's that mean? D three O, it's it's the brand. And sounds like a, a character from <laughs> Star Wars and shit. <laughs> no, I I love D three O because it's actually it's like a squishier material that they make their their gear out of. Um, but so you can actually move a little bit easier. It feels lightweight. It's breathable. But whenever you take impact, it hardens That's and cool. absorbs the shock for your body. I did. I, I've heard about it. I didn't know what it was called, but mm-hmm. yeah, so, so BMW has been adding that. A lot of companies have been adding that. Harley's adding it this year in their yeah. line as well. But a lot of companies sell their jackets without the armor and you got to buy the armor separate, right? Marketing they have the at pockets. its finest. 
fucking guys, huh? That's like the most important part. Like, why else? Because I picked up a Roland Sands jacket once, mm. or I still have it. I wear it all the fucking time, and I never picked up the armor for it. And it's not like I don't want the armor. I just never went and figured out which one. Like, it should have just came with it. No, I agree 120%. I will say working at Harley, we were talking about, you know, some of the people that come through. I mean, a lot of people actually don't like the armor in the jackets. On the Harley ones? Yeah. Why? Because yeah. they're just the plat- like the old school ones or... Yeah, no, I mean, you get some of the old school guys in there that they don't like armor. And then some people, you know, the we get some of the younger riders that they, they just don't want the armor in there. Yeah. Um, I'm not. No, it's because they're so cool, man. Like, they're, they're cool. Like when you're yeah, I was going to say, I don't cool. know if it's because they. No, when you're that cool, you can wear Converse and fucking. Vans. Van, yeah, you can wear Vans and you don't need armor. <laughs> Duh. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? That's silly. Yeah. Bro, I don't get. I I I I feel great when I'm fucking wearing good gear. Mm. Like I feel really good, and I feel like shit when I'm riding shitty. And and you know what? There's been times I, I go with the t-shirt, you know, to the gym, or it's just a hot day. But like, you got to minimize that as much as possible. Yeah, no, it, you're so right on the the people feeling cool. It's like they just want to wear, you know, that thin little half shell on their head. They just their leather vest and. I'm like, I always sit there and think to myself, I'm like, you know what's not cool? Eating out of a straw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen, and, and you see people get in accidents uh, mm-hmm. because of the dealer, right? Yeah, yeah. We have people come through all the time after they've been in accidents. Uh, this is a statement I've said, bro, I think I've said this on every episode just about, but uh, I strongly believe 95% of motorcycle accidents is rider error. Would you agree with that or disagree with that? You know, that's actually very, very hard for me to say because I, I, I haven't thought about that statistically. I mean, I guess it probably also depends on where you live. Like, I'm going to say being out here in L.A., I, I've experienced probably some of the worst drivers I've ever experienced in my life. There's that, too. But then yeah. also when I, I went to university in Oklahoma, you know, it it wasn't near as bad as it is here so would you say we're making this up obviously <laughs> okay but would you say what 50 50 70 30 like yeah you know i'm gonna stick with 50 50 just because it, wow i'm thinking i'm thinking into it and it's so circumstantial yeah and it depends i mean there's so many little details that go into it like the rider um what kind of bike they're on obviously would influence the rider you know if they're driving fast and recklessly or they're just cruising down on their road glide. Yeah, I had. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why my statistic, why why I say so high. But I had a um, uh, detective Quinn Redeker. He's one of the top motorcycle stunt police officers. Now he's SWAT and detective, and he, he's a badass individual. Uh, I had him on the podcast, and he brought up an excellent point. He was like, "One problem is, is people don't know how to use the equipment they have." You know, like the, you know, like if you don't have ABS, they don't know about pumping brakes or they don't know how to turn certain angles or they don't check their tires and PSI pressures. And, you know, there, there's that. But that to me falls under right error. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, look, the reason I, I think it's 90, 95 percent is because every accident that I've ever heard of, like, for example, the, the two biggest accidents in the U.S. that I think I reported. Well, last time I checked was uh, the intersection. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what's the intersection? 
Guy's driving through the intersection. Somebody makes a left turn, gets hit, done, right? Not the bike's fault, always the car's fault. Mm-hmm. Every time I've witnessed or seen or had somebody come into my dealership because of that accident, witnesses always said the same thing. That motorcycle was going 60 miles an hour on Van Nuys Boulevard, and the car making the left had no fucking idea. The second biggest accident is turns. People taking turns too hard or not taking or not getting enough road or, you know, on the wrong side of the road when they're making the turn Mm -hmm. and they go off the cliff or hit into another car or something like that. So here's what I tell people. Ride aggressive, ride really aggressive, but don't go over your limit. You know, don't go over the limit of the motorcycle. Don't go over your limit of your, your expertise. You know, and obviously this is people that who care for their life and and want to ride long term. You know, so yeah, no, that that actually makes complete sense now that you're saying it's just you know improper technique or just lack of experience or checking their brakes or doing services or getting tire repairs or you know being familiar ch- adjusting your suspension. I bought an FXDXT. Actually, Glendale built this FXDXT for an attorney down in um. In Beverly Hills, and I bought that bike in 2009. When I rode, it, it was the most awkward. Perform- and this thing had like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars worth of parts. It rode so fucking shitty. I hated it. I go, this is so bad. And what happened is that the old FXDXTs they had showy shocks mm-hmm. and they had individual adjustments. And one was like tight, and one was like loose. And and it, it, it the whole bike was uneven. Well, I went to the mechanic, our, you know, our shop. They adjusted it. One of the best riding bikes I've ever owned. Okay. Especially back then, you know. So, but people don't do those adjustments or, or get familiar with their bikes. So, that's why I'm happy you guys do orientations on safety. But there should be also little things about how to maintain or what to look for on a motorcycle. Yeah, no, uh, that's definitely a great idea. I mean, I I do love to etching base with all the new customers that come in. And... I always like to ask them, you know, what kind of gear do you have if they already have it or if they don't just to see what they're having. Because we have so many guys that come in there that they have expired gear. A lot of people don't know that helmets expire. Yeah. And, you know, that's a huge thing. I mean, how how do you check that? So usually they say uh, within three to five years, a helmet will expire. Um my rule of thumb is actually, you know, $100 per year. You get what you invest in. You spend $100 on a helmet. That's one a year. good way to put it. You know, you spend 700 seven years. Because, I mean, you, you spend all that money on a showy and a rye. I mean, you're not going to want it to just expire in a year. Right. I mean, a lot of people don't know either that, you know, a helmet should be replaced once you go down or once it drops. Uh, it's why, it's why I, I know the answer to this, but why why is it so important that if a, if a helmet drops, it should be replaced? So uh, the the EPS liner that's in there, the polystyrene liner, actually, whenever it takes a hit in its spot, it actually compresses right there and absorbs that impact. Yeah. So once it's compressed in that spot, it's not going to absorb the impact anymore in that spot. Got it. Got. It. And what's this um, this MIPS? Every helmet has MIPS now. <laughs> you know, like MIPS, so, MIPS, MIPS. Yeah, MIPS. MIPS. Is it just a cool little sticker, yellow sticker that says MIPS, or is MIPS something? Well, it is a cool yellow sticker, but yeah. it definitely is handy. So the MIPS is an extra liner that's going inside the helmet, and it actually rotates the impact. 
Yeah. So that way on your head. Yeah. It's not all in one spot on your, like say you get hit on your, you know, around your frontal lobe, it'll spin the impact. So that way the, like deflect the impact. Yeah, to the it's rest like of your head. spread. Uh, it spreads it out more, so that way it's not just taking one direct spot. Yeah, all in that one area. So of smart. Yeah, I, I saw their whole video of why they do it. It's so fucking smart, and it's so simple. You would think like this doesn't do nothing, but it it, it saves lives and brain damage and. No, and and uh, another cool one that's coming out. Uh, this is what Climb actually uh, put in their helmets. It's called Choroid Technology. So it's, if you look inside a helmet that has choroid, it looks like there's this green honeycomb that is lining the inside of the helmet. But the, the purpose of that is so whenever you take impact, all those straws in there and the honeycomb will actually compress to decompress the shock to your head. Wow. And that's actually aerospace technology. That's something that airplanes, they actually put inside the seats of the airplane. So that way if the, the plane goes down, it absorbs the shock away from the patron sitting in the chair. That's fucking insane. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's out now? Yeah, yeah. It's in the, the Climb Cryos Pros. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Alpine Star has a helmet coming out this year that actually includes that technology as well. That's that's amazing. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you do with an old helmet? Throw it away. Throw it or, away. you know, I mean... Decoration. Decoration. Yeah. You know, it's it's a trophy. You've earned your mark. You, you've rode for X amount of years with that helmet. You have experiences. You know, you may just want to hold it on for the memories. Blow it up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something. Crash this. But that, that's probably the best bet. Just throw it away. Yeah, no, I we have people come through all the time, and we, we throw away their old helmets for them. Uh, they'll buy a new helmet and be like, yeah, yeah, we'll take it. We'll throw it in the trash for them. They so there's no recycling or anything like that. Not that I'm, I'm aware business. of. I'm telling you, we could do something <laughs> there. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't read. Um, is there a safe way of buying a used helmet? I go to the dealership. It's 600 bucks. Money's tight. I say, you know what? I don't want to do it. Go on Craigslist. Some guy says, new in box. Is there a safe way to inspect or something to look for a sticker? Uh, anything. I mean, a used helmet, I, I see them up for sale all the time on, like, say, Facebook Market or Craigslist. Um, I never recommend getting a used helmet. Yeah. Even if they, they say, it's been sitting in the box, you know, we never use it. We just bought and never use it. I, I never recommend it just because you don't know firsthand what what that helmet's been through even if they have the receipt and i mean even if they have the receipt i mean you don't know i mean they could say they you know, they, they have a picture in the back of the the warehouse they broke into and stole it look i stole it brand new and never touched <laughs> still not worth it you know yeah I, i'm kidding about I, that <laughs> watch that happen tonight like what this guy fucking premeditated i don't know what you're talking yeah. about what are you but yeah so in no situation you would recommend a used helmet no, I, I never recommend it. I, I would see you say, and I'm not trying to convince anybody. I'm just having a casual conversation. Would you say, I mean, this is so dumb, but fuck it. A used helmet's better than no helmet? Hmm. I mean, that's a damn good question. And, you know, my, my, <laughs> my answer still is just go buy a fucking new helmet. Get a new helmet. <laughs> Would you go far enough to say that if you can't afford a helmet, don't ride a bike? I'd say there are many, many options. I mean, between 
different helmets. And yes, obviously wearing a, a cheaper end helmet is better than no helmet. Yeah. I mean, there obviously when you get into your higher end helmets, there's going to be better materials made out of. I mean, usually when you get to helmets below about 300, they'll be made out of like a thermoplastic or a, a polycarbonate, which is an extremely dense form of plastic. It's better than nothing. It's, it's going to protect you, um, but it's not going to hold up quite as well as your higher end helmets. Right. But I mean, but they still get protection. You know, everybody, everybody should have a chance of going out and riding. I mean, whether you can spend 700 on a helmet or not. I, well, th- th- you know, all, all bullshit aside, I'm asking these questions just because I want, I want to pick your brain, but all bullshit aside, you can buy a decent helmet for a hundred bucks, 150 bucks. You don't yeah. have to get into that $700 category. No, you don't. That's, so that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, they I mean, don't buy used helmets. <laughs> just don't, don't buy used don't helmets. buy used helmets no never i i don't ever advise that um but yeah always you know just try to get something that's new i mean whether it's you know a hundred dollar g max or you know you're getting a 350 hjc or you're going all the way up to like schubert for seven eight hundred dollars yeah what about um gloves and boots and shoes and Always recommend a pair of uh, leather shoes. I mean, I love it now, too, because they actually have riding sneakers. So yeah. you get that comfort of a sneaker, but the protection of a boot. I actually, when I went down, I was wearing riding sneakers as well. And I love them. I mean, but they're they're full leather, just like, you know, a leather boot. And it's going to hold up because, I mean, if you're wearing Converse Vans, you yeah, the, the road your, burn is... yeah. I know a guy that lost his foot, and this was years ago, because uh, he was doing the flip flops. Oh, the, car- the super safety flip flops. Yeah, the super safety <laughs> flip flop. You, you heard of those, right? Yeah. And uh, he, yeah, he got he got hit. He got squished by two cars, and a fucking oh, bumper shit. just got his whole ankle. And I'm pretty sure he would have been a lot better if he was wearing some fucking boots. For those who can't see me, I'm cringing right now. Very, very <laughs> bad. Very bad. Yeah, that sounds, that's awful. And yeah, yeah. I always advise um, le- uh, leather boots. I mean, when it comes to gloves, one thing that, I mean, obviously leather's going to be the best, but they do have mesh gloves, textile gloves that are going to ho- uh, hold up. But I always advise having a leather palm specifically. A leather palm? A leather palm on the glove, just because. Oh, first, yeah. First thing most people do when they get hit is they're going to reach their arm out there and try and catch themselves. You don't want to get road rash on the palm of your hand. Yeah. I mean, granted, you don't want road rash anywhere. But, you know, especially, you know, if you're injured, you want to be able to at least grab things. You don't want skin missing from that hand. I don't, I don't know where I got this piece of information because I've I just been doing this for so long. But that's another thing that when people get into accidents, there's, like, better ways to crash. Yes. You know, like keeping your limbs to yourself, you know, fucking keeping your head down. You know, there, there, there's, and I'm sure there's even more, I don't know, crossing your legs, not crossing your legs. But I, I, that's one of the ones that I heard that if you get into an accident, you want to just hold on tight, tuck your head down, you know, make sure you don't fucking lose. Because some people get into fucking accident and they're like 
spreading out like this and you're spinning and breaking and dislocating your shoulder. Trying to catch them, Catch it and stop. Like, I mean, yeah, because you have one opposing force going one way and then you're trying to fight the force and go the other way. So right. That's, that's when things snap. Um, you know, one thing that I learned uh, definitely from when I would ride off-road and, you know, go on the tracks is, you know, you're going down, just go limp. Yeah. And... That's uh, the and best it's hard. Thing. I mean, it's, it, it's you're it's, having to fight your your whole instinct. We're talking about it, but yeah, when when the moment comes, but you, I I definitely just you know just go with the fall. And I mean, it's it's one of those things that I picked up on too, hearing about how God forbid I hate talking about this, but drunk drivers, you know, whenever you hear about them getting into accidents, you know, God. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I cannot fucking talk today. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It happens um, to us. You know, the the person that they hit usually is the one who gets more injured, but the drunk driver is so relaxed that, you know, they're not fighting anything. They just end up, you know, going with the motion of the crash. Yeah. And they usually get out with a few bruises. Yeah. Don't, or they don't black, drink or, and drive. Or they black out and their body just goes fucking numb. Exactly. They're yeah, limp they're and limp. They, they just go with the motion of the crash. And, I mean, that's something I picked up on, too. It's like, well, if you go down, obviously, that's the best thing to do is just go with the fall. Don't try and fight it. Like you were saying, you, you tuck to yourself and you just roll with it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Boots, uh, pants, jeans. Do you recommend certain pants or just at least Th- just, wear, are... just wear pants? <laughs> just... <laughs> I mean, obviously, denim will hold up better at your lower speeds, but yeah. it's not going to hold up to the road rash at, you know, you're going 80 down the freeway. They do make actually abrasion-resistant denim. There are some uh, motorcycle clothing brands that actually put Kevlar inside the lining of the jeans. I mean, Harley briefly, I don't know if there still are or not. I, I didn't see them in the new catalog, but they, they made what was called Armolith denim, which they boasted actually held up similar to leather if, it, if you went down. So it's actually going to protect you. They do make jeans that have knee pads and hip pads in them. Yeah. I picked up a pair of jeans, not for riding, not for riding at all. I, it, it was just uh, a cool style, and it was this 14-ounce Japanese denim, you know, which I was like, fuck. And 14 it was, ounces? 14 ounces fucking Japanese denim. And I was like, this is fucking cool. And I ordered it, and it was on sale. And when I got it, I was like, holy shit, this is a good ride. And I went riding with them. It's my riding pants now. It's my riding pants. I, I feel like it'll do better. <laughs> it's fucking thick. So if you want something stylish, 14-ounce Japanese denim is amazing. You know, I had a burger that weighed that much. It was pretty tasty. <laughs> 14 ounces? Fuck. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I always, I always, I don't think, I can't remember if I've, ever been on a bike in shorts like even down the street even down the street the only thing that kind of get makes me want to do that a little bit is the live wire the live wire since there's no clutch and since it doesn't heat up and there's there's no no exhaust and there's no pipe i'm like i can kind of get away with it it's the only one that kind of gives me the urge but i i will not on my street line on my bmw it will not even cross my mind i'm not capable of shorts and if I was to do shorts, shorts, yeah, and if I was to do shorts, I'd do like some big ass fucking cowboy boots or some shit, you know, which would be a bad look, you know, shorts and cowboy look. But you know, it's one of those urges I've had to fight too. <laughs> like, what because the fuck like, are you, you saying? Know, 
I, I wake up like 5.30 in the morning, I'll, I'll go to the gym, and uh, I, I've literally had that thought go through my mind. It's like, oh, you know, it's 5.30 in the morning, no one's on the road, I'm just going to ride down the street. It's LA Fitness right down over there, it's no problem. But I, I never could get myself to. I, I always pack my, my spare clothes, and I, I always wear my actual protective gear when I'm on the bike. You wear a backpack or you have bags, saddlebags? I have a backpack. Have I a actually backpack. have a hard shell um, OGO backpack. OGO is a, a badass tune. Yeah. I like their clothing and I love their bags. Yeah, I have the, the Mach 5 uh, no drag bag. So it actually has a hard shell, which actually gives you some protection as well. Which helmet are you rocking? I got to ask. I, I have an HJC Rafa 11 Pro. Uh, I've ridden with HJC for years. I, I was wearing HJC when I went down a couple years ago. I wore HJC when I would ride off-road. Yeah. And it always protected me. It always held up. I know they they have a, a reputation with some of the older guys that they're a shitty brand because they... Back in the days, they back were. Back in the day, they were. They were really fucking... They were bulky, cheap materials. You would put them on. I, I had them. You'd put them on, and they had that chemical smell. Yeah. Like, you're like, what the fuck is this? This is disgusting. And they were a shitty brand. I'm, I'm talking 10-plus years ago. Mm-hmm. They were. But now I, I've heard excellent things. I haven't tried on their helmet. Actually, I think I won a helmet from you guys that might be one. But it was it's an XL, so I was like this. I, I don't. I'd have to see it. I'd have to see yeah. which one. I'm not sure. Um, which, will, which is considered a used helmet because I won it. <laughs> Which will be on Craigslist tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I was going to say, but they actually just released um, a helmet that's actually catching my eye severely. It's called the... Uh, God, they, they actually just changed the name for it. But whenever it was like being pre-advertised, it was called the Rafa 01. And the, Ra- the Rafa? The Rafa. R-P-H-A. It's what they call their higher-end helmets. It's like... You know, kind of like how Chevy has uh, Cadillac. Right. So it's or like GMC. a branch off of GMC. Right. So, yeah, HJC has uh, the Rafas, and it's their higher-end helmets. And this Rafa 01, as it was formerly known, is actually like their actual racetrack-level helmet. Yeah. And fun fact about it, it actually passes what's called FIM standards. And FIM uh, standards is what's actually coming up. It's actually uh, a really good safety grading system because they, they're actually outdoing Snell and uh, ECE. And only a handful of racetracks require it to be used right now. So Snell's like the, the bottom of the line currently, not because of anything other that they haven't updated their, their, their system I mean, their 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 safety rating systems are they're they're still going to be good, um, but they're outdated, right? And um, yeah, there. That's why I was saying earlier, you know, like ECE. That's what I look for for my minimum standards with helmets. Yeah. What else? What else do we have? Safety courses. What safety courses do you guys recommend? Does does Glendale Harley does Harley Davidson or Glendale have a safety course they would recommend? Uh, we don't do. they do one. Yeah, we're we're actually hosting it right now through our sister store, Santa Clarita. And then that that so you guys are doing course uh, classes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're hosting the classes. There what are those right two now. day classes? Three days. Uh, well, they do have a two day crash course, though. Lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, 
So yeah, it's usually it's a three day course. I mean, you're gonna the first day is just gonna all be textbook. It's gonna be over Zoom, and then the the next day Saturday you're gonna be spending half the day on the course training, and then the other half is gonna be textbook over Zoom again, and then the next day you're going actually going to be doing all your testing, all, all the testing, and and then all the physical. Do you guys provide the bikes, or you gotta get your own bike? They they do provide the bikes, and you know it's it's a lot of fun. I took the course years back. You know you're just out there on the ranger, you're riding around, you're learning actual proper technique, which is something you had mentioned as well earlier. Yeah, about having you know that proper technique, breaking at the right velocity. Um, knowing how much to speed up, how much to do everything that you need to do. You got, again, ride aggressive, but don't go over your limit. And 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 to know not what that means is mm-hmm. you need to know and everything it, you're saying. Yeah, it's always about keeping keeping an open mind, knowing that you can always learn. You know, yeah, you've been riding for five years, but there may have been techniques that you didn't learn it i know people have been writing for 20 years take those safety courses and they're like fuck i never knew yeah i never knew yeah the, i mean the, and the, the other problem is, is people say they ride five years but it's cut the bullshit you know a thousand miles a year in five years five thousand miles is not riding no <laughs> they do, no right? no that, that yeah. at that point yeah it's just like uh it's just an occasional thing nobody everybody. does that everybody does that everybody <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, and so it's it's always good. And like you said, there I've met people who came in the store and they were like, "Yeah, I didn't know that. I I took the course, or they, you know, they've been riding for twenty plus years, and they're like, you know what, I should do it. I, I they they just know at the bottom of their heart that they should learn these proper techniques. Or the other issue that you kind of touched on is you have the old school people mm-hmm. that don't want to upgrade. You know, like when ABS came out in 2008, I believe, all the old school people were like, fuck that. Like, I know how to pump my brakes. I know how to, mm-hmm. you know, move, you know, maneuver my back end and, you know, do this. ABS sucks. It's unreliable. I'm like, what are you saying? Like ABS is amazing. It's fucking amazing. It's super amazing. I didn't realize how cool ABS was until every car I had had ABS. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine, he had a, like a 1967 um, El Camino. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was driving the El Camino and on the 134, like no traffic and all of a sudden traffic. And I pushed the brakes. I was fishtailing everywhere on that freeway i didn't crash but i'm surprised i didn't crash and i was like this is what abs prevents is you know you know locking up tires and losing your front end or your back end and then you get into a motorcycle if you were to lock up your front end or your back end, you're done mm-hmm. yeah you know but that's the other thing people don't get used to the technology or the traction control or the abs or these features but you know what i i want to i want to blame the dealerships because they don't educate people enough on these new features. I bought my streak line, my streak lights in 2020, and and there was a, an option that was like $700. And I was like, what's this option? They're like, oh, it's like some kind of brake assist, and, and that's it. And I was like, oh, I don't want uh, that ABS shit. ABS is awesome. No, yeah, no, no, but this was this was a this was a different system. This was a like a like a brake assist and a a, tr- a traction something. And I was like, I don't want it. I don't want it. I get my BMW a month later, and, and I was like, what's this, you know, seven, eight hundred bucks? And they're like, oh, it's this. And I was like, you know what? I don't want it. They're like, no, no, it, it's hill stop. And I go, it's hill stop. If you're on a hill, 
you squeeze your brakes, let go, and the bike maintains there mm -hmm. until you... Ex I was like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And what's this? Oh, this is the traction control. I look at my paperwork for the street glide. That was the same option. I would have got it if I knew it was that, but it wasn't explained to me that it was that. So I, I do believe... You know, dealerships should have like, and you guys do it, and you do it, and this is why you're here. Because every time I go visit you, it's like Robert, look at this, and I'm like, Tommy, I'm good. No, you got <laughs> to check it out. More money. Yeah, <laughs> I said I don't need to spend. And but you break it down. I'm like, okay, I get it, and I understand it. You know, so I, I think it's very important. And you know what? I can't just blame the dealerships. It's your responsibility as the viewers or the riders to also get your fucking education and and look for it and ask questions and find out. You know what's the best technique or what's the best bike for riding in Los Angeles or in the mountains, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely true. Always, always keep an open mind. And that's something that I believe genuinely about everything in life. Honestly, it's kind of like what you were saying. It's how you were talking about instead of ride boundless, it's live boundless, you know, right. don't, don't limit yourself to what you can. I mean, yeah, the, the Evo engine back in the day, that was a great engine by Harley. But, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's better than the new Milwaukee 8. Right. Because, I mean, they're, they're, and then Harley just came out with the new Revolution Max engine that's actually on the Pan America and the new Sportster S, which right. I'm, I'm dying to try out. I want to ride that Sportster S so badly. So, so they're bringing out the Sportster S, which I saw is mm -hmm. amazing. But I think it's the first sports I've ever seen that I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Uh, and then there's a new, what is it, Fat Boy or a new Fat Bob that's coming out? I'm not sure about the Fat Bob. I mean, I've heard rumors. I heard a rumor. That, yeah, I'm talking about rumor. Yeah, I, I've heard rumors about a a uh, a, a touring a low rider S. I, I've heard uh, a rumor about a performance road glide. Uh, so I mean, I honestly I can't confirm any of these rumors. I. Yeah. I wish I knew the actual answer because it's die. It's killing me. I'm dying inside. Did they? Um, did they release the new CVOs? Not yet. No, not yet. Because I, I think that's the way I want to go next. And you totally should. I mean, they got the 117 engine. They got it. Just it, it makes so much sense. And and, and, and I, I think it's like a seven thousand dollar price difference. And, and you're gonna spend that, you know, upgrading a non CVO. Mm -hmm. and, and not have ever the value of a CVO. I mean, plus the, they, the value on them just holds up. Oh, for sure. Because they are limited in numbers. Yeah. And it's pain. No, it, it's done. Yeah. It's done. It's all customized for No, th this, 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 this is my last street glide that, that I, I bought, and I'm 10 grand in it. and It doesn't even look like I put 10 grand in it. You know, like you know, on accessories. So you start looking like, you know, it costs this much. Tax and license, shipping, setup fee, freight, <laughs> alarm, vivid black. You know, these fees. Do, 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 do. And then it's like, I got to do the pipes. I got to do the suspension, the front, the back, the bars, uh, interfering, change this, change that, change the crash bars or engine guards, whatever you want to call it. Like it, it adds up. I, I, I think it's a no brainer to go CVO. I, I think I'm gonna go CVO. I just can't. I just want. I, I I'm think waiting. You've already decided. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I don't know why you're asking. Even me to though, you. even though, have you seen the BMW R18 with the fairing? I have not seen one in person. No. Yeah, I just took one of those out for a spin. It, the look of it, it's pretty sexy. It looks like a street glide. It doesn't feel like a street glide. The 
bars are awkwardly fucked up, but so is the street light. Like that's the first thing. First thing I tell people to change on the street light is suspension, bars, suspension, bars, then your pipe. Minimum. You know, yeah, in, in, in that order. In that order. But um I think that BMW, the only thing you need to do is just change, you know, those bars. But it, it, it they copied the streak light. They're doing advertising and marketing like a Harley Davidson. So that does kind of bother me. It's like, why would you make, why would you want to look so much like Harley Davidson? Don't copy them. Be they're unique. They're trying to pull in a crowd. Yeah, they're trying to pull in a crowd. They, they did that whole like, you know, desert ride, you know, on the beam. Everybody's wearing chaps and leathers. And it's like, dude, don't stop. Like, they, I, I did not like that. That did bother me, but it's a good looking bike. I think uh, they're... I think they need to make two or three before it's exact. I felt certain vibrating, you know, where there shouldn't be vibrating. Like my, my feet were getting numb because the pegs were vibrating. I was mm. like, this is not good. You know, and I only went like on a 15 minute ride, but it looks sexy. I'll say it's an, it's a new territory for BMW like yeah. producing a actual uh, Harley style cruiser. Yeah. They added, um, I don't know what it's called, but a uh, tracking, um, cruise control tracking tracking adjustment cruise control so you put on your cruise control if the car in front of you starts braking no now that you're you're explaining that yeah i did hear about that as yeah. well so it actually knows how much of a distance to keep and you can adjust it you can yeah. adjust it 10 to 20 feet i think max is out like at 40 feet or something like that and it will automatically you know so if you're on your phone while riding you know it's it it, it gives you a heads up but they're not Harley. No, they're, they're, they're Harley, <laughs> Harley, and that, that that's right. No, no, it, it's a clean design. What about um my my favorite gear from Harley Davidson, which uh, I just picked up a jacket from you, I think what last year, uh, but the FXRG, mm-hmm. FXRG, right? FXRG, yeah, yeah. The the their helmets because they were doing a carbon fiber helmet. I had a carbon fi- fiber helmet FXRG. Years ago, mm-hmm. years ago. So they they they're they're still keeping up. Can you can you explain the difference between Harley gear and FXRG? FXRG is like they I, do the gloves, the helmets. They do the whole setup. It, it's it's considered like the very. It's it's marketed especially towards the people who are very. Uh, what's the words I'm looking for? Like they love features. They they love that it'll have like the, the FXRG jacket. You know, a lot of them will be dual purpose. You can open them up or unzip them on the sides or something like that, and they'll allow air to flow through. But then you can close it up. You know, wear the FXRG base layer, and you're good for winter. Yeah. So they're they're made for people who love the features. Um, and uh, Harley did come out with an FXRG helmet that was actually paired with a rye a couple years back oh really yeah that must have been nice it was a really nice helmet it it was really comfortable it was which is surprising to me too because a rye likes to keep to themselves they they love to they have so much pride in their brand i mean they've been around i think god was it since the late 40s i think is when they started or the early 50s yeah so they've been around forever they're very conservative companies so the fact that they paired with harley a couple years ago, to me, it was amazing. And and, and I think that's um, what's been the new updates now with the CEO. The CEO is for Harley Davidson. Mm-hmm. He's I want to say German. 
Yeah. It's weird because I think I read that the new Sc- CEO. He's Scandinavian for sure. Scandinavian or something like that. And then the new CEO for BMW, I think it's like American. Or something. I don't know. It's, it's uh, something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> saying shit. You know, you're, you're, you're asking me questions that, you know, I, I feel like I should be more versed on. I should know more about. No, I, I, I told you to fucking study for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, just... I heard that his background is actually in Puma. He comes from Puma. Um Where's where the fuck's Puma? And I've traveled. <laughs> the shoe brand? Yeah. Oh, oh, it comes from Puma, the shoe. Yeah, the the shoe brand. Uh, that's what I heard. On the nose. I, I'm not giving a yes, confirmed yes or no. That's what I've heard. Um, I know he's very involved with the with the dealerships. He's actually uh, working towards some different stuff that Harley had never really done before. Like I'll say, like working in their merchandise section. Uh, the motor clothes are definitely starting to look more fashionable. They're starting to keep track of what's actually in style rather than saying, oh, if we just throw a bar and shield on it, people will buy it. Yeah, I, I hated that. that. That's one of my turn. That's my turnoff. Nobody else's. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, the Harley Davidson down the sleeve, the bar and shield, the HD, the that branding. And it's funny because for a few years they had a whole kit of of nice clothes with minimal minimal like just a bar and shield on the buttons very nice i actually have a jean jacket mm-hmm. where it's like nothing hard except for the buttons yeah it, it, there's a lot of stuff now that's very subtle harley i mean we, we're always gonna have stuff that's gonna have like the big barn shield on yeah. it because no people love it there are still people who will love that that's a default people standard buy Christmas that, present. yeah the bar and shield people put on their truck and they've never been on a bike their, their whole life Go, go ahead, because I just want to turn off the phone. I messed up. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Technology gets the best of us these days. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's so much now. I mean, obviously, like I said, the barn shield will always sell. But there are a lot of things that people come in, and they love that it's so minimal Harley-Davidson, but they're still wearing Harley-Davidson, so they still love it because, obviously – no brand is going to sell as well as Harley Davidson. And maybe that's, some people could say it's biased, but I've heard that Harley takes up 50% of the market. Right. And I, I watched these training videos. Uh, was it Sam's Wheelhouse? Um, and he talks about on there, and it's, it's so true. He says, does Harley make the best bikes? No. Do they make the fastest bikes? No. But why do they sell? Because of the passion. People that that barn shield comes with so much emotion behind it. It screams American freedom, and yeah. people all over the world love that. They we have people come in from all over Europe, all over the East Asian countries, the world, the, all over the world. And they, they want Harley Davidson and it's so much cheaper to buy Harley in America than it is in other countries. So, yeah. Like I, I remember I had a guy come in and he literally pulled, he was from the Philippines and he pulled like three stacks of t-shirts and was just like, I will buy all of these. Yeah. We have people coming in for the Harley leather jackets and like I said, because it's just so much cheaper to buy Harley in America. And it's, you know, it's crazy about that. What's up? <laughs> that fucking, you got Filipino people buying shirts or Chinese people buying shirts. Love them all. 
but the shirts are made in Philippines and made in China. <laughs> like, you're like, wait a minute. Like, how the fuck does this, like, it, I don't know. Because I, I, yeah, I, I've witnessed that so many times. I'm like, you're Filipino? And I'm like, looking at the shirt, and I'm like, made in the Philippines. Like, Here you but go. you're buying it in America. Right. And we get, oh my God, that's probably one of the biggest complaints we get uh, is people coming in and complaining to us that the Harley shirts aren't made in America. Or the jacket is made in America. I'm like, bro, I just sell this stuff. Yeah, and uh, no, nothing is, <laughs> nothing is like like what people don't understand is is companies. You know, just an example, mm-hmm. companies like Nike. Nike doesn't make shirts or shorts or shoes. They don't make any of that. Nike is an advertisement marketing company. They get a designer. They'll design one shirt. They'll design certain shorts. They'll design certain, you know, shoes. They don't own their own manufacturing. They outsource everything, mm-hmm. that, you know, so they're, they're making it. Hey, make it like this. And what Nike does is they're an advertisement agency. They make commercials. They make inspiration. They make the brand pop. And what you're buying is into the brand, you know, but, but nothing's being made here, you know, period. Yeah, which is normal, too, because what people need to understand, trust me, I'm all about made in America, you know, like half my or more than half my shit, my my brand. Right. But right. Clean made in America podcast recorded in America. Everything. This is liquid bottled everything in America. Um, I'm for it. But the thing is that people need to understand is this is a world economy. We all work together. If if America does shitty, the world does shitty, mm-hmm. and if America does great, the world does great. That's just very simple. It's, it's it's nothing nothing else. So it's normal. I just think it's funny that you see a Filipino buying a shirt made in the Filipino in America. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's one of those things now living you know in a uh, I guess what you would call a post industrial society where everything's about uh, commercialism and uh, consumerism, where. Unfortunately, we have to we have to look at it and say, I mean, it's not necessarily us that's selling the Harley gear. That's it's our fault that isn't made in America. It, it's like you were saying, a lot of the excuse me, <laughs> you're you're all good. Um, it, it's the fact that you know that that the amount of money spent making the stuff would completely change if it was made in America. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, it, it's the, and it's not just it's the, not it's not just the cost of labor, but it's yeah. like insurance and PTO and uh, the rents and the, you know the taxes. Like like it, a shirt, uh, you know, forty dollar or fifty dollar Harley Davidson T shirt would not cost you one hundred and forty bucks, mm-hmm. you know, one hundred and sixty bucks. And the other problem is people don't want to pay that. No. People complain now. I bet you that the shirts are expensive. They they do. They do. Um, I mean, but obviously, it's also one of those things. It's like the, like I was saying, the the barn shield. It comes with a passion behind it. Right. I mean, you don't go into Gucci or Louis Vuitton and expect to buy something for ten dollars there. Right. And that that's how Harley is. Harley's in demand, and you know, you know, this is just food for thought. Uh, With the high end brands, I kind of got annoyed with them because I I like them. You know, I, I, I don't mind wearing some nice shoes or name brand this or blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what it is. But the reason I got annoyed is is it's not that fucking exclusive. Like, you got a Louis Vuitton store everywhere. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you go in the world. There's a Louis, like I told you, in Mumbai, 
on, on where the you know the slum neighborhoods, like a block away, two blocks away, there's a mall and there's a Louis Vuitton store. Mm-hmm. You know, in Paris and France and L.A., there's a bunch of them. So it's not that exclusive. Nah. My point is, Harley Davidson clothing is more exclusive than a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> Think about that. Because how many Harley Davidson stores do you have in the United States? Isn't it like less than 700? I want to say 740 or something. Last I heard, maybe there's a little I'd bit more. I'd say that sounds about right. Yeah, so there's only 740 you know, Harley Davidson dealers in the U.S., I guarantee you there's a lot more, you know, Dior's or, you know, other stores. Or they're probably in between that. I wish I had a Jamie. Jamie, look that up. <laughs> <laughs> look that up. See how many things. But um, anyways, Harley Davidson's more exclusive than Louis Vuitton. Yeah, it, like, it, it goes back to that, that passion, you know. The, and this the fire is not a people, paid sponsorship by this anybody. Is this is my own. Actually, it's a paid sponsorship by Ride Clean. Check them out at rideclean.co. I clean that CO. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's about how it makes people feel. I mean, because Harley Davidson, obviously, you know, it it goes back over 100 years now. But especially a, a lot of times it's associated, you know, with the, the harder, grungier crowd. You know, everybody wants to feel like they're in the Sons of Anarchy or something like that. And so <laughs> I, I was just at a casino. Uh, this weekend, and there was this old dude, you know, drinking beer and fucking wearing a Sons of Anarchy sweater, hoodie, you know, with the, you know, like looking like the patch and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is so funny. Like, you, you don't ride. <laughs> like, and he thinks he's so, anyways. But it, it makes them feel confident. It gives them the confidence. Oh, for sure. And I mean, that's that's marketing at its best. And I mean, it goes back to like we were saying about like, you know, Dior or Louis Vuitton, you know, the people... The way people feel having that brand on them, they they feel as if they're people are looking at them, yeah. or giving them the attention that they want. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I got a buddy of mine. He loves Dior, and, and he he'll just sit there and talk about a fucking T-shirt, you know, for for an hour. Oh man, Italy, blah 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 blah. I mean, hey, I'm guilty. I wear Dior cologne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Harley Davidson does represent that, you know. Like I, even even I have I have my first Harley Davidson T-shirt, which is like over twenty something years old on a dealership that doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, I have my Mexico sh- uh, Harley Davidson mm-hmm. T-shirt, my Mumbai. You know, I I, I do buy just, just yeah. You've been all over the world. You know, just I just bet to you have, have it. A crap ton of T-shirts. Yeah, I I don't have as many as I should, but I have gone into places. I'm like, you know what? This is probably the right thing to do. So I, I do support that. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, that's the cool thing too. Is I mean, it's like the Hard Rock Cafe. You know, everybody loves to come in. They love to get that shirt that says that they've been to Hollywood, Glendale, or Miami, or Orlando, wherever. Yeah. Like I've had people come in there, and they're wearing. Uh, actually, one lady in particular was wearing a shirt from France. She was wearing a Paris one. She was telling me about how cool it was because. The one that she went to, it, it was like this small old brick building that was in the middle of France. I was like, that sounds really cool. Yeah. What's going on with uh, with Glendale Harley, like uh, event-wise? Like, you guys been doing a lot. You guys did the partnership. You guys have a new partner in uh, Santa Clarita. Uh, Robert Patrick, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are signed, you know, Robert Patrick from Terminator. Yeah. The cop that turns Terminator into liquid. Two. Yeah. 
Have you seen him turn into liquid yet? Uh, no, I've not seen yet. him come into the store a handful <laughs> of times, but I have yeah. not seen him turn into liquid yet. I'll ask yeah. him next time he comes. Yeah, in. ask him, please. But you guys, um, you guys, you guys are making the dealership really nice. You guys got got a convenient Starbucks right behind it. <laughs> um, you guys put that new bar and shield on that back wall. Mm-hmm. Well, what else are you guys doing? Any events coming up? Uh, Love Ride is coming back. Legendary Love Ride, Love Ride is coming back. Um, That's exciting. Obviously, yeah. They, they. I was gonna ask you, and I was like, "What's the point?" He probably he never even saw one, but it's coming back. It's coming back. Uh, we've been they've been making plans. That's what I've been told. That's what I've heard that for 2022. Um, obviously, the 2020 couldn't do anything. 2021, nobody knew what was happening. I mean, it was it was impossible to plan anything. But I can confirm that I've been told. 2022 love ride will be back that, that's great news we do have our uh our annual bike auction coming up here january 22nd i just saw yeah a post about that how, how does that work uh so it works because because people i know you guys have an auction for the bikes that you guys have mm-hmm. but before i think some dealerships would you know they would allow people to bring in their own bikes or something no i mean all of all the bikes that we're auctioning off they're Is they're, your, they're your ours bikes. okay yeah, I mean, we're going to have bids starting on pretty much all the bikes. Uh, it's going to run like a silent auction. So you go and you, you write your price um, starting at the starting bid. You can write up from there and, you know, just keep track of it until hopefully you win it. Yeah. We we did that at Monterey County. We would have a, a weekend uh, where we would have companies and private buyers buy anything, anything. And with the money that, that you would get from it, we would use that to put a down payment to sell you a bike. So if you wanted to bring in a boat for sale, we would have people that buy boats. If you had somebody that it, buy cars, like for example, we would have a lot of car dealerships and they'd be like, yeah, we'll buy cars. So they would go and say, okay, we'll give you four grand for your car. And the guy's like, ah, can I get 4,500? Okay, 4,500, cool. They'd cut the check to the dealership sometimes and then we would sell them a fucking bike and be like, oh, it went to your down payment. Like it was crazy because we just wanted to help and motivate people to do that. So that's, a, but that was a, a strange owner you know, business mentality, some okay. guys from Texas. It was a, you know, it was a good idea. I thought it was a good idea. It's like, hey, if we can make money, we can make money. Yeah. No, that that's, I've yeah, never if, heard if we, of that. If that's we can cool. help you sell your vehicle and get you into a bike, why not? You know? So some people would make like five grand. They'd put 2,000 into their bike and have three grand for motor clothes. You know, so... And it was once a year. It was it, it was it was a kind of a complicated operation, but not really. Like I said, all you had to do was get a couple used car lots, you know, hey, do fair pricing and, you know, make it make sense. But, you know, a guy traded in a boat, you know, cars, bikes, you know, uh, people from the public would be able to buy stuff, you know, from other people. It was interesting. That is. It is. I was going to say, I wonder how that would work. I mean, paperwork wise, obviously, it could get a little, oh, you had a little sticky. No, you have you have an office. So each dealership had their own, you know, mm-hmm. people doing their two six two forms and their transfer and release, and you know, et cetera. So no, they, they, no, it was pretty organized. Oh, okay, it, it was just actually doing the event and kind of promoting the event, so it, it was beneficial for everybody. Well, that's awesome then. Yeah. Any uh, any big uh, travels? What's the longest ride you've done? Uh, longest ride I've done. You know, I actually, I don't like riding uh, long distance. No? No, I actually, I mean, probably the longest 
ride I've ever been up to is probably to Santa Clarita, but I'm not I'm not a big fan on the long distance riding. Yeah. No, I'm I'm more about urban commuting personally. But I mean I love to go out on your rides like through Angeles Crest or Neptune's Net, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, the California, the Los Angeles mm-hmm. typical thing. You know, I, I I have this thing where I love to split lanes. <laughs> Not like you don't understand. Like I love to split lanes. Like my um. B, the back of my BMW is like fucking this wide. I I've said this many times on the podcast. I've said it many times to people. I will split lanes and beat anybody, just about anybody. I'm very confident. I will kick okay. your ass. But when it comes to straightaways, like if it's just straight and there's no cars and I can speed as fast as I want, I don't like doing that. It's so weird. No, so not, it's like a game to you. Oh, it's a fucking like I'm like like it's a game to me. It's all it's it's a technical game that I I love. It, it it's a game to me. So what's the what's the highest speed that you'll you'll split at? <sighs> 70, 80. Damn. 70, 80 on the BMW. Damn, on I, the street glide, I'm a little bit lower on that. I feel pathetic because, like, the highest I'll do for splitting lanes is, like, 30 miles per hour. Nobody I've ever rode with can keep up with me. I literally will tune it down, like, 70%. No exaggeration. No, and I don't care what they're... They'll, they'll be on a street glide. I'm, I'm sorry. They'll be, like, on a Dyna, a Sportster, whatever the case is. You're, you're not keeping up with me. Nobody I've ever ridden with. I Yeah, there's... Actually, one time this guy in a Dyna was flying but this was in san francisco you know and he was flying you know uh, we were going from san francisco to uh san jose and this guy just passed me like and and my bags did limit me a little bit i was like oh shit like this fucking guy but any other bike in la i've never seen it i would say for me it it also it depends on what like what streets i am like what freeway like there's some parts of the five where it just it feels too narrow to me i'll 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 do it all day (laughs) all day like no fucking problem and then the bmw i get a little crazier because uh when i'm going through downtown and like like huntington park you know i got a a couple friends that businesses out there Mm -hmm. there's just so many trucks you know like semi trucks there because it's that's just an industrial center I go on the sidewalk, train track, like I, what? Like it's so fucking crazy. I'll pass by a cop, and the cop's stuck in traffic. I'm like, um, you what are you like, doing? Catch me? You're, <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> like, you know, like it, it, it's 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 crazy, but it's experience. It's experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I would consider myself a, a technical writer. You know, I was having this conversation with my friend Mark. He's like, yeah, that's your your technical writer, and I'm, I'm all about that. Even one time I was in Angeles Crest and, uh, you know, I was riding with these other guys and then these other guys were joining the other guys and I'm ripping through and this one guy was on my ass. And I really believe that guy actually could have passed me up, but he didn't because he kind of like we're, we're friends of the friends. So I'm just going to do whatever you do. So I was ripping it and he was ripping it on a road glide. And I was like, dude, this guy can take me. And, uh, and actually later he's like, I was going to pass you up, but I thought you were like the lead of the pack. So I didn't want to pass you up. And I was like, and he was on me. Like he was on, like, it was me. Then it was him on my ass. And then nobody for like a minute or two. Anyways, once we got to the straightaway on the two, I don't care to be, I don't care to speed. I don't care. So I just let off the gas and all of a sudden he was like, I'm like, all right, go ahead. I don't give a fuck. Then wow, a couple times I've seen people get pulled over because <laughs> that's where the cops are at. Mm. But I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't, for the, when it comes to straightaways, I don't want to speed just to speed. 
It's too easy. It's too easy. Too I, easy I, I don't you. care for it, you know. Uh, another thing that I'm not good at is obviously stunts. I've never tried to do any stunts because I like my bikes. I don't want to drop my bikes, you know. Yeah, no. I mean, I see I see these guys all the time, like on these twenty five thousand dollar low rider s's. You know, I, I I I wouldn't mind you know doing some wheelies or whatever stunts of any kind. I just wouldn't want I wouldn't want to do it on an expensive bike. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I wouldn't do it at all. Yeah, like if I was on a dirt bike, I mean, all day, sure, why not? I mean, just replace the body parts easily. But yeah, uh, on a, like a big Harley, no. What was your first motorcycle? It was a Kawasaki uh, KLX 140. 140, what year? I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> like an 80s or something, like an older bike or some shit? It was an older bike. Yeah. And how how'd you get into bikes exactly? Uh, Family my, or friends? My my stepdad actually he he grew up uh, riding motocross all through you know middle school and high school and you know it, later on I mean I was just like I just want to learn to ride yeah because I I didn't grow up doing it in like middle school and high school but I just wanted to learn how to ride and so I mean, that's that's how I learned and I was doing it off road. And I just, I loved it. It just, it was like something that had just been calling for me. That's awesome. You're very good and amazing at your job at Harley Davidson at Glendale. And, uh, you know, again, I've learned a lot from you and you've showed me some amazing products that I want to come back and pick up. Um, but you I'll hold you to that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> please, please do. Please do. Um, but you, before we started the podcast, you were talking about you have passion projects that you started doing films and directing, and that you like scary movies, and now you want to do scary movies, and yeah, you might I, have uh, something. Yeah, no, I actually have a background in acting. I studied acting in college, and an actor in Los Angeles. What? what? <laughs> uh, and you know, I moved out here and. I just, I realized that acting wasn't as big of a passion of mine as storytelling. And I, I love the horror genre, and so I fell into that. I have a couple projects that I'm working through right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, actor in Los Angeles, what? That's crazy. That's so crazy. Um, no, but now I, you're shooting, you're filming, you're doing everything. Yeah. You have, you have I, all the equipment? I, I'm working on a lot of writing right now. I'm actually working to get a hold of... Uh, couple more dollars for a film that i want to make i already have x amount i'm trying to get a couple more uh, a couple more thousand not a couple more no, not a couple more dollars yeah. um <laughs> but yeah no i are you doing like a fund me page or a, like a creative fund me page or something like that no i i am waiting to see if i can get the money on my own I don't know. For me, it's it's a pride thing. It's like I oh, did this on my Oh, take the pride own. away, bro. Take the pride <laughs> away. No, take the pride away. Seriously. No, I, I, I understand Putting that. the money together and having people partake. It was one of the first things I picked up at Pepperdine. Mm -hmm. Like one of the first things I learned was people want to help. People want to help. You, you, you struggle. Like a lot of this I put by myself and I'm proud. I've, I've, you know, I funded myself and I've done this myself and I'm doing it myself. But there are people that are like, hey, man, I would have gave you a hand a long time ago. Did you need help with this? Did you need help with that? Like, don't don't let pride and like fuck pride. Seriously, you know, that, that's kind of stubborn. If somebody can fund you or get you even extra funding, that, that's that's rewarding, too, because then people believe in you. 
yeah, you're going to have some people looking for expectations, but then that also keeps you on your toes. So don't don't be like, I funded it, I did this. No, nobody cares. They just want to hear the story and they want to see the work. And you're right. I, I can't deny that. I yeah. mean, you, you do have a very good point. I, I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around. But, yeah, I, I'm trying to get these projects put together. Um, I have one that potentially will be filming out in New Hampshire. So that's actually really cool to me, you know, filming on location. Yeah. It's a huge thing. I mean, because I, I love my storytelling, and I'm excited for this because it's a huge step. And you, I've learned that being out here, you have to count your successes. You have, yeah. to, you have to very much be happy about them and take pride in them. Yeah. Because there's so many other people that – come out to LA and they don't have these successes. They, they don't have a, well, the chances well, that everyone comes by. Yeah. And, p- and people limit themselves. I was watching one of those TikToks, and I think it was, um, I want to say it's Denzel Washington. And, and lately I've been liking a lot of Denzel Washington's fucking, you know, speeches. He's fucking amazing. He, he's, he's an amazing actor, but his speeches are fucking insane. And he had this one speech he, that he was giving out to a u- university and he says, imagine you're in your bed dying. You're 60, 70 years old. And, and the ghost, your, your creative writing ghost is right in front of you. And your wannabe passionate actor ghost is right in front of you. And, uh, you know, the movie and the book and the motorcycle you wanted to ride and the travel trip you wanted to do and the things you wanted to say are all standing by you. And they're saying, hey... You were in charge to represent us, and you didn't. And now we're going to die here in this bed because of you. Nobody will ever get to know us. You know, obviously, he said it more creative. That's but it was chilling. It was like, it, oh, it was really That's chilling. That's chilling. And it's like, you represent, you know, all these characters inside of you, and you are responsible to bring them out. And if you don't, you're killing your your ghost or your whatever you want to. I'll look it up and post it up, but it was it was, it was very strong. It was very strong. That's haunting. Oh, it's Talk very. Talk about horror. That's. That's like, that's, well, exactly. There you go. That, there we go. There you go. That's another fucking way if you can put that into. Mm-hmm. Another one that's kind of like that. It's not as haunting, but it is. Actually, in a sense, it's even more haunting. But Eddie Murphy had something like that where he says, uh, when he was filming the new uh, Coming to America, he made a little skit where he goes, um, let's say you live 100 years, you know, zero to 100 that's a hundred summers that you get. So you only get a hundred summers. I only get a hundred summers. That's if we live a hundred. The first fifteen to twenty don't really count because you're a kid, so you can't really take advantage of it. And the last twenty to forty don't count because you can't really do much. Now take away how old you are. That means you only realistically. We got about maybe 20 summers, 30 summers to really explore and live left in this life. And again, he says it more faster and easier, but that's the fucking point, you know. This just got deep. <laughs> got deep. What the fuck? <laughs> so buy your safety gear and, and live your summers? I don't know. Exactly. Ride every summer. It's riding season. Where can we find you? Um, where can we find you on your social media? Or do you want to share that? It's up to you. I actually, I don't have social media because we're talking about living this and doing so all crazy. that. This is so crazy. And during the pandemic, you know, the president, presidential election and all that stuff was going on, I 
I was just like, you know, I, I'm tired of hearing about this. I, I, we're living it day to day. Yeah. I don't want to be reminded of it when I'm sitting on the couch in the shelter of my own home. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that that's an excellent point that you brought up. One thing, if there's one thing I notice when I travel to other countries is as soon as I leave America, there's no news. You don't hear no news. There's nothing. You know, I've I've been to I've been to countries for three, four, five weeks, you know, two weeks, five days, six days. During that time, there is no fucking news. Like it doesn't even exist. I don't even register there's no news until I land in LAX and my phone connects and it's just like boom, boom. And Biden did this and Trump did this, up and this. And this, 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 this. Oh, and then Moderna. They're like legitimately there's no fucking news in other countries unless if you turn on the TV and watch the news. But there is nothing harassing your phone and, and chasing you and saying bing, 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 bing. That is, that, that is very, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's scarier than the other shit. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's fucking insane. Yeah, like I said, it was just, to me, it was such a relief. It was like, you know, taking off this this whole blanket, just taking it off of me and just being able to feel the breeze and breathe. Yeah. Just actually living day to day, like you were saying, we only have those 20 summers or so. Yeah. Fuck it, 25. Let's just say we have 25. 25. To, at full throttle. At full throttle. 25 and a half. <laughs> 20 fuck <laughs> um i was gonna ask you something about oh i want to pitch you an idea that i had for ride clean because uh i wanted to do this and i haven't done this but i want to see your thoughts since you're doing storytelling so i want to do a little ad for ride clean this is how i visualize it it's this super hot attractive girl on the side of the road fuck it let's say it's a desert okay and this Dude comes out on a motorcycle, uh, shirtless, fuck it, six-pack, ripped, cut, fucking blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever the case is, just fucking a good-looking dude. But his motorcycle's dirty. So he pulls up to the girl and says, need a ride? And she looks at the bike and she goes, not from you, not from your dirty bike. And he leaves. And then another bike pulls up later, five minutes later, you know, a little sign, five minutes, whatever. And it's this fat dude, <laughs> hairy, just gross, <laughs> disgusting, whatever. Not disgusting, just not as handsome. A normal guy. Not, not, I'm not trying to, you know, a normal guy comes, you know, with the gut and, you know, whatever. But his bike's clean, clean by ride clean. Says, do you want to ride? She goes, yeah, you ride clean. Scene. There it is. <laughs> there it is. It definitely has a comedic appeal to it. Good. And yeah, that's uh, that's what I want. I want it to be very comedic. No, I I I like it. It, It's cute. It's short. It's gonna. It's easy to film. Quick to the point. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I gotta execute that one. Any other safety advices you want to throw out and tips, tips or tricks for people? Uh, you know, like I said, just never be afraid to invest in that helmet. Just because, I mean, we were talking about that earlier about the. The price differences. Do you guys do, you guys do a, a layaway pro, uh, program? We do offer a firm now at our dealership, actually. What, what do you mean? Oh, a firm. A firm, yeah. So you can actually pay for it in installments. 
Um, But I was going to say, I mean, whenever it comes to buying those helmets, don't think of it as like a hefty chunk for just that moment because you're investing in something that's potentially going to last you a couple of years. Yeah. It's going to last you a few years. So think of it as like, like I said, that $100 per year. I, I do like that. I do like that. And after seven years, it's paid off. Exactly. After seven and years. the more you ride, the, the more more benefit. And you God forbid you ever actually have to use it. You're not going to say, damn it, I shouldn't have spent that extra 400 on a helmet. Yeah. Well, another question that I want to ask for myself. What's a good solution that when I'm riding somewhere, uh, when I get to my destination, keeping my helmet safe? There are a couple different options, actually. I uh, Like me, I actually have a helmet lock that's attached to my crash bars. So that's one thing, because if you cut the straps off the helmet, if someone steals the helmet, they cut the straps off, They that helmet's useless. Right. You can't reattach the straps. Right. But there are a lot of backpacks now that do come with uh, like little canopies that you can put your helmet in and carry it with your backpack. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Or a little travel bag or something yeah, like that. They have little travel bags. Mine has a little sling that I can That'd actually be cool. Like a like a like a, a a bowling ball case for like if there was like a brand focused on They do. Yeah? Yeah, they have them. Cuz my FXRG old helmet, I actually still have that one. Mm-hmm. It came with the bag. Yeah, the they badass bag. Yeah, the, the those little sling bags uh but they do have like actual like tote bags that zip up that you can put your helmet in. That's cool. Mm. That's another good solution. Cool. Tommy, any last words? Ride safe. uh, Ride ride boundless. And ride clean. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, sir. And that's a wrap. How do you feel about that? Good time. It was fun. Wow.